Good morning. Well, this looks a little unusual to you today. Me being up here looks a little unusual. Um, in our bulletin, I do have a message outline if you like those, but don't jump too far ahead. Don't steal my thunder. Neighbors, not where, but who, not if, but how. This was the theme of our um, Youth Works mission trip to Bayou Labatre, Alabama. And some of you are like, where is Bayou Labatre? It's kind of fun to say, Bayou Labatre. Is where um, Bubba was from and Forrest Gump. If you think of, Al it's the seafood capital of Alabama. So if you think of Gulf Shores and then there's the Bay of Mobile, it's kind of on the other side. It's, it's where fishing reigns. Um, we've gone there two, three, four times, I guess, in my ministry here at Trinity. It's a place that we love to serve, that there is a great need. But it wasn't the only mission trip we went on this summer. We got to do a hometown mission trip here. And that theme was Echoes, how to hear God's voice. And it was really good. We really liked it. It was a fantastic week. But there was something about our Youth Works mission trip in this theme of neighbors that really connected with our students and really connected with me. And so today's message, um, I'm just going to share a little bit with you, almost a quick little glimpse of what we learned in that week um, and what we took away with it. So let's begin. So Neighbors, like you heard earlier, was based on the Good Samaritan. And many of you have heard this story many times. It's about this religious leader and uh, he asks, he starts to test Jesus by asking him questions, which is, as far as when I read, I always get excited when that happens. Because you know Jesus is going to give it to him. You know, Jesus is going to beat this guy at his game. And so he asks, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus asks him, well, what does the law say? And he gives a fantastic answer. He says, well, love God and love your neighbor, but he wanted to justify himself more. And so he asked, who is my neighbor? And that's the exact question we looked at all week. Not only, um, not only that question of, of who is my neighbor, but what does being a neighbor look like, right? And so the first thing we learned on our mission trip was that being a good neighbor means we see each other. See, the first two people in the parable, um, the Levite and the priest, those should have been the ones who stopped. They were leaders in that community. They should have helped and stopped the man who had been robbed and beaten, but they didn't. For whatever reason, um, maybe it was time, maybe they didn't want to fall into the same trap, they did not choose to stop. They did not choose to see him. But the Good Samaritan was different and also unexpected. And see, the Good Samaritan was um, someone that was very culturally different than the Jew who was beaten up alongside of the road. Uh, you could even say that they were enemies. But what we see from the Good Samaritan is that he was able to put these cultural differences beside, aside. 
and he was simply able to see him as a man who needed to be loved, who needed help. And we see Jesus act in the same manner so many times throughout Scripture. One of them that comes to mind is Mark 10, where he's traveling through the town of Jericho, and he comes across this man, Bartimaeus. He is blind, and he is overlooked, and he is undervalued by the community. And Jesus is walking through town, hears him, and turns and sees him. And immediately, he sees his value. He sees something that the others don't see. He has mercy on him. He gives him back his sight. And so, one of the things we ask ourselves is, how can we see people like Jesus saw and sees people? And one of the things we learned was, what we can do is, we can slow down. How often in life are we in a rush? And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can allow us to notice when we're not jumping from thing to thing. I have a friend, uh, Lee Kothman. We grew up together. We are in the same church, in the same youth group, best friends um, all throughout middle school, high school. And we even went to the same college for a time. Uh, we're still good friends today, and he comes here to Tyler every once in a while. Uh, my kids know him as Uncle Lee, um, and he is just a great man. But he drives me crazy, and he has my entire life. If you know a little bit about me, um, and some of you don't, you may not get this from me, but I like to be on time. Um, I like to be orderly. Don't laugh. It is true. Um, and my friend Lee is the opposite. He's never on time. He is always late. Um, and true story, he was supposed to help with a lock-in here at Trinity years back. And I kept on waiting, kept on waiting for a phone call. He didn't show, didn't show. He was gonna help me do some things at the lock-in. And finally, he arrived two and a half hours late. I was like, where were you? I was angered. You know, I needed you tonight. I needed your help. Where were you, Lee? And his excuse was a pretty good one. See, Lee was on the way here from Austin, stopped in Corsicana at a, at a Whataburger, um, noticed somebody in the parking lot who had had a flat tire. Lee being Lee, um, he forgot what his other commitments were, and he stopped and helped the man who needed help. Um, the guy came in, and they ate uh, dinner together. They started talking about what he does and what Lee does, and one thing led to the next, and he ended up sharing the gospel with him. And it was this beautiful story. And, and then it didn't end there, but the guy wanted him to come home with him to tell his family about the gospel. And so how can you be mad? I was like, well, that's a really good excuse, Lee. Like, I, I can't be mad at you anymore. And things like this happen with him all the time. That never happened to me. And a lot of times it's looking back at that one thing. Just slow down. Lee was able and is still able to slow down and see the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Um, another thing we learned about this, how we see each other, is 
We see each other through God's eyes. Try to see each other through God's eyes. Uh, get past the stereotypes. Um, get past the, the judgments that sometimes you don't even know you're making. And simply look for the person in need. The next thing we learned on our mission trip was being a neighbor means we move towards action. See, the Good Samaritan just didn't notice the bad man, but in verse 33 we read, he had compassion on him. He had pity on him. And that compassion, we will see, led to action. And again, we look as the, our example in Jesus. How many times do we see in Scripture, we see Jesus, his compassion leading to action. One that comes to mind is the feeding of the 5,000. He saw the hungry people. He knew something needed to be done. He had compassion on them. And so one thing that we learned was pay attention to your feelings. That God makes you care about certain things. If it's something that makes you feel joy or feel excitement, or if it makes you feel um, pity or um, even grief, take note. Maybe God's trying to do something through that. And take a little action and do something, have action behind that feeling. And something else we learned on our mission trip was do it together. Bring somebody alongside of you. One of the reasons why these mission trips are so much fun and why disaster relief trips are a lot of work but are so much fun is because you're doing it together with one another. And so with that, I'm gonna ask Taylor McCarthy to come up and say a few words about experience that she had that shows us a little about, about this seeing and moving. So go for it, Taylor. So I have worked with kids for a long time now. And one thing that I've always realized is that kids have absolutely no filter. Kids will say anything at any time without any realization that it's maybe not necessary at the time. I personally love seeing Christ shine through the children in the ECM during VBS. A few of the songs we sang for VBS were also songs that they sang in their classrooms. One song that really stood out to me had only one verse that the kids truly knew. This verse was, I want to love like Jesus. When it came to this verse in the song, every child would scream and they would stand up and they'd wave their arms. This was truly great to see as leaders because the only thing that we wanted them to know was that they are called to love like Jesus. We also had a girl from the school age group that was completely sassy. We had a very, very hard time getting her to relate to any topic. However, on the last day, she pulled me aside and told me with the biggest smile on her face, last night I went home and I prayed for you girls and my family. This was so awesome for me to hear because even when it seemed like she wasn't understanding, Christ was still on the move. All right, so I'm gonna spend a couple minutes and brag on how Jesus worked through Taylor. Um, and I could brag about all of my youth. Taylor just gets, gets to hear it today. 
But there are two, many things I love about Taylor, but two things in particular I love about Taylor is that from an early age, she has found um, one of the things that she is really passionate about, and that's loving on kids. And she's found something that she's really good at, and that's loving on kids. These, this passion and this gift has intersected, and that is a sweet spot for her. And she loves serving in that sweet spot. In fact, and she's helped in the nursery for years. I would say if you poll most of the parents in this congregation, she has monopoly on babysitting to maybe the syringe of some of her other girls in the youth group, um, but that she loves children. Um, a story that I have from her, and she worked VBS at both mission trips, and one of them was in Bayou Le Batre, and we had a splash day outside, and there is this little boy, and he got wet. He was probably three, and he was so cute. The cutest little boy. And we went back inside in the air conditioning, and it was cold. And this poor little boy, we're sitting there kind of doing our closing celebration, and he's shivering. You know, and I saw, and I was like, you know, you know come here. You know, you can sit with me, and I'll warm you. And he wanted nothing to do with me. You know, he looked at me and turned and was like, no. About, I don't know, six, seven seconds later, I look over and Taylor has seen the same thing I saw. And she looks over at that little boy and just doesn't even say anything, just kind of does something with her hands and something with her eyebrows. I don't know what it is. And this little boy gets up, walks over to her, and sits in her lap. It's just a gift that Taylor has. And it was one of those things that she was able to see it, and then she was able to move it into action. And you see tons of stories like that on these mission trips. So the third thing that we learned about being a neighbor means that we love without limits. See, the Good Samaritan not only helps someone, someone different than him, but he also gave generously. So pay attention to how generously. Luke 10, 34 through 35. He went and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, so two days' worth of wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. See, the Good Samaritan could have set a limit on his love, but he didn't. And like the Good Samaritan, and Jesus had lots of opportunities to limit his love, but he never did. See, during especially the end of Jesus' ministry, there were many people wanting his attention. Um, and there are many times where people thought there were certain people that shouldn't get his attention. And whether that be sinners, whether that be tax collectors, um, prostitutes, and in this story, um, little children. There's a story of little children coming up to Jesus. And what do the disciples do? 
They say, no, get, get away from Jesus. They shooed the little children away. And Jesus says, no, let the little children come to me. That Jesus' love was for everybody and was limitless. And so how, and out of all the, the things that we learned um, on the mission trip that week, this was the one that was probably the most convicting and difficult for me. And I'm somebody who likes to serve. I mean, I like people. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm somebody who wants to make people happy all the time. Like, I like to serve. But even when I serve, maybe you do the same thing as me, there's always calculations going on in my mind. It's okay. How much energy can I spare here? How much time? How much money? And so one of the things that we learned was name your limits. And if you name those limits, if you kind of discover those limits with yourself, then you can start to pray about those limits and try to move past those limits little bit by little bit. Something else we also learn to help with this love without limits is it's okay to step outside your comfort zone. One of the reasons why I feel like there's so much growth on mission trips, on these service opportunities, are these students and myself are taken completely out of what we feel is comfortable, whether it's where we sleep, the hours that we keep, whether it's getting to know different youth groups that we're serving alongside of, whether it's getting in contact with people that um, maybe we normally would never get in contact with, it opens us up to new experiences. It makes us feel a little uncomfortable. And many times that is a good thing. That as American Christians, we love our comfort. And a lot of times we can find ourselves worshiping our comfort and not our God. Finally, the last thing that we learned, but being a neighbor means we go and do likewise. And these are the words that Jesus ends the conversation with. It started out as a conversation on knowledge with the religious leader. You know, that's what he wanted. He is, is a battle of knowledge. But Jesus doesn't end it there. Instead, he ends it with that challenge to go and do likewise. And then Jesus also asked his disciples the same thing we see in John 13. And he did something very unexpected in washing the disciples' feet. And it's actually become a tradition with us on our mission trips that the last evening we have the students, I mean, we have the adult leaders wash the students' feet. You know, women leaders, the girls, the men leaders, the boys. Um, it's a very emotional thing. And to describe that a little bit, we have Micah Schitz is going to get up and share a little testimony of, of what she's experienced. She's now done the foot washing two or three times. Three? Every year on the mission trip, we have a special time on Thursday evening when our youth group gets our feet washed. 
How we do it is the youth will sit in a large circle and our youth leaders will come around the circle and wash the feet of each person and pray over them. We try to dim the lights to kind of calm us down and have us focused on Jesus and this special time. This has always been very important to me because this is my own personal time with God and a time where I can, in a way, be alone with Him. Every time the foot washing takes place, it can be quite emotional for some people, including myself. It's a very spiritual time for me and I get overwhelmed with emotion every time. This year, while I was being prayed for, was when the Spirit came to me and I started crying. John 13, 1 through 17, it talks about how Jesus washed the disciples' feet just before Passover and before the night he died. Jesus acted as a servant to, this, to his disciples in this situation. Being a servant can be, can be described as loving and doing. Jesus says this in John 13, 15 through 17. I have, set, I have set to you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus loved his disciples, so he washed their feet. Our leaders love us, and so they did the same. Both Jesus and our leaders love us, so they acted on it by washing our feet. We can do like Jesus said. We, we can be like Jesus and do, and do what he says. Be, be a servant to others and show your love and you will be blessed. So this is the highest moment, the highest point of any mission trip for me is when I get to wash the boys' feet. It's a very humbling experience for me. It's a humbling experience to get your feet washed for everyone involved. And the special moment for me is when I'm washing their feet I get to look them in the eye, and I get to say something along these manners. It's always a little different from student to student. But I get to look them in the eye and say, just as Christ did not come to be served, but to served, I pray that for your life, that you do the same. That you do not make this life about you, but you make it about Jesus and you make it about serving others. And it's just a special moment. And they know that, and, and we know that it's, we're not going to be perfect, that we are going to fail over and over and over again, that we are sinful. But we have an amazing God. In fact, Pastor mentioned a little bit earlier, it's interesting that it never explicitly, explicitly says that Jesus is describing himself in the Good Samaritan, but same in those same aspects are there. That God loved us so much that um, he loved us by seeing us in our sinful condition. That he saw how we were a slave to sin. That we were broken. That we needed him. And God loved us by having compassion and mercy on us by moving into action by having a plan in Jesus by loving us without limits and sending his son on the cross to die for us John 3:16 you've heard so many times it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life that now we get to respond to God with joy, as redeemed children of God, we simply get to love others. We get to go 
and do likewise. Amen.